Good morning, church family. Hope you're all doing well this morning if you're visiting with us. My name's Chad. Hey, Haddon. Glad you're here with us this morning, bud. Did you recognize me with my beard that was so awkwardly commented on? (laughs) He didn't. See, he didn't notice it. The pastor said I couldn't be a pastor here unless I grew out my beard because I was the only clean-shaven one, so I'm trying. I'm kidding. Uh, So I have a short, short sermon for you guys this morning. In Christianese, we call it a homily. That just means short sermon, a devotion for you all. If you're note takers, praise God, I'm honored that you want to take notes. And I'm not trying to disparage myself and say this isn't going to be noteworthy, but I'm intentionally being short and sweet and simple. If you're thinking, I'm going to start paying attention in about 10 or 12 minutes once I'm warmed up, you're going to miss the whole thing. So... (laughs) Uh, Just so you know, you heard from Stephen and Josh that as pastors, we decided that our our worship time this morning, we'd really focus on God's provision. So we're singing some extra songs. We heard from Stephen, just a few of the highlights from this last year. I'm sure if we got emails from you all of all the highlights, we would have been here for hours and hours. Um, And so my task this morning is just to, to stir your hearts in worship, I hope and pray, to God's provision the way he's provided his son for us for our salvation, the fact that because of that, he's going to provide everything else we need in 2024 and beyond. So uh, join me in a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you for another day that we have gathered with the church uh, these 52 times in 2023, and we have sung your praises. We have rejoiced in you that you have sent your son to save us and that you've brought us into your kingdom, and you've given us joy and forgiveness of our sins, and you've adopted us. We can call you Abba, Father. We praise you, Lord, for all of the new believers you brought into your church here at Windsor Community Church, but also all over the world through the proclamation of your gospel and the love we have for those who aren't yet yours and for one another. Lord, I pray that You would continue to draw lost people to yourself through this church and through our love and through Christ, and pray that you would um, cause those of us who are already in Christ to become more like him. Lord, we praise you for your provision. We just focus on that this morning, that you have provided for us and you will continue to provide. We love you and praise you and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So... Cliche of cliches, I'm going to start by asking about New Year's resolutions. That's how you're supposed to start any New Year's Eve sermon, I guess, or New Year's Day sermon almost. Many of you are probably going to do some New Year's resolutions. If you want to get better at something, you want to do something more, you want to do something less. Those are good things. I'm not going to hate on New Year's resolutions in my 36 years, though I've learned I don't really stick to them that well. You know, maybe in January, I want to eat a little bit healthier than I just did in December. I think I set my eggnog record this year. No kidding. In in December, I had more eggnog than I care to admit. Uh, The other thing that I commend to you guys, the only other New Year's resolution I do is, is my goal is every year is to read through God's Word, read through the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. And so lots of ministries are putting out Bible reading plans, so I would just encourage, commend to you guys, try to read through God's Word this year. So in this message this morning, I'm not going to call you guys to add anything else. Even though I'm encouraging you to read through the Bible, that's up to you and the Lord. I don't want to add something 
to your New Year's resolution. I want to encourage you prayerfully and hopefully that you would continue in the resolution that you set when you became a Christian, and that is to trust God, to to trust his provision, to praise God for his son, Jesus Christ, and because of that, know that God's going to provide everything else that you need. And whether you articulated that way or not, the day you became a Christian, that became one of your Christian resolutions. So I'm just encouraging you guys in that. Honestly, this is, what I'm doing is I'm rebounding the sermon that many of you have preached to me in the last two weeks. Most of you were here two weeks ago when I said, I don't know what was going on, but for like four weeks I was feeling really down and depressed. And you know the sermon most of you preached to me via emails and Realm and last Sunday gathering? If you didn't use the word provision, that's what you were saying, Chad, God's going to see you through. Like a lot of us struggle on and off with depression. We grow the most when when we are in the valley of the shadow of darkness. So just keep trusting the Lord. He's going to provide. And I'm so thankful for you guys, for this church body, for that sermon that was preached to me. So here's, here's the rebound. I'm just paying it back forward to you guys for your sermons to me. Embarrassingly, though, I forgot to preach to myself, and that's why I need you guys, right? I mean, the Bible calls us to preach to ourselves. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I forgot, so you guys are preaching to me, but one of my favorite verses, that's what I'm going to preach this morning, one verse. I was forgetting to preach it to myself. is Romans 8.32. This has been one of the, the sermons that I preach to myself the most. If, I, if we're allowed to have favorite Bible verses, this is mine. It says this, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What a sermon that is. I could, we could pray right now and be done. In, in my words, I'll say it like this. Since God has provided his son for our salvation, we can trust that he will provide everything else we need to glorify him. That last one was important, to glorify him. I'm going to say more on that in a minute. There's no structure this morning. I told the team up there, I told Chase, no slides this morning. Short, sweet, and simple. One verse, you don't need a structure. Yes, I'm going to read a couple quotes. They're not going to be up there. Just listen. I'll give you some quick context, though. I hope you've all read Romans many times. It's an amazing book. Some argue, if it's allowed, that the most important book in the Bible, the best book in the Bible is the book of Romans. If it's not the most important, which I don't, you know, all 66 are God's word. They're all important, but the theology in Romans, the the, the breadth and the depth of the gospel in Romans is amazing. I hope you spend a lot of time in it in 2024. In chapters 1 through 7, we read that the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. God is absolutely righteous, and mankind is not. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is is manifested and given through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. We're justified by faith alone, like Abraham was. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you are justified. You you are given the righteousness of Christ. And then you have chapter 5 says, because we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. We're reconciled to him. We have peace with God. Even though we inherited sin from Adam, like I reminded you two weeks ago, we inherit life through Jesus Christ when we repent and believe. So we're set free from sin. We're not slaves to sin anymore. We're slaves of God and slaves of righteousness. 
which is wonderful. I love being God's slave, don't you? I love being a slave to righteousness. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we come to chapter 7. There's debate on it. We're not going to enter there. I think Paul's talking about his Christian walk. I do some things that I don't want to do, and I don't do things that I really want to do. Who's going to save me from this sinful body of death that's still sin sick? Praise be to God. Jesus Christ will someday completely save me. He saved me spiritually, but someday saved physically. I'll get a new body. I'll be in heaven with Jesus Christ, with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, perfect and sinless. And then we come to to chapter 8, the great 8, some have called it. If they argue that Romans is is the most important book in the Bible, many will say that chapter 8 is the most important chapter in the Bible. It starts with that famous verse, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, couldn't do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. I want to keep going. I'm not. It's an amazing chapter. Read it over and over. Later it says that we're heirs with Christ. We can call God our Abba, Father. We've been given his Holy Spirit. We're children of God. In verse 18 it says, He says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Someday, like I said, all of creation, not just, we're not the only ones groaning, all of creation is groaning, and someday it's all going to be set free. New heavens, new earth. That's why I love that song, we're going to feast in the house of Zion. I love picturing that with you all and the church universal. Later, you know, verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who have been called according to his purpose. The next verse theologians call the golden chain of salvation. God, if you're a Christian, it's because God foreknew you, he predestined you, he called you, he justified you, he glorified you. Nothing can prevent that from happening. If you're foreknown by God, you're guaranteed to be glorified. He can say it as past tense. You've been glorified. And then verse 31, we're almost there. Paul says, what shall we say to these things? What could I say after Romans 1 through 8, 30? What could I say? If God is for us, who can be against us? 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All things. We're Americans, right? Like the big house and the great cars and, and filet mignon every night, no financial struggles. Good, you're laughing. We've done a good job at discipling you. No, not the American gospel, the prosperity gospel. All things that we need to what? To glorify him, to go from foreknowledge to predestination. Everything we need to make it to the end, he's going to give us. 1 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us into his own glory and excellence. If God has given us his son for our salvation, the greater gift, of course, he's going to give us the lesser things of preserving us and persevering us and, and helping us make it to the end. 
This is known as the argument from the greater to the lesser. He's done the greater thing. He's proved it. Of course he can do the lesser things. One of the other jokes on the pastoral team is you have to be a crossfitter or at least a, a weightlifter to be a pastor here. All the guys lift weights, and you, we've all made fun of Stephen and Dan for doing this thing called CrossFit, and I actually kind of do it with them. Don't tell anyone. I haven't drank the Kool-Aid totally, but it's fun. I like it. There's a lift in, in CrossFit, not just in CrossFit, in Olympic lifting called the deadlift. Everyone know what a deadlift is in here? Okay. One person. It's with the bars on the ground. The, bar, the bar's on the ground, and you just bend down, and you pick it up. The, the world record in the deadlift is 1,185 pounds by Alexei Novikov. 1,185 pounds he can deadlift. If he can deadlift that, can he pick up a 200-pound dumbbell that most of us can't pick up? Yeah. You've heard of Elon Musk, pretty rich guy, kind of rich. If he can pay $200 million cash for a Malibu mansion, can he afford a Happy Meal at McDonald's? If God has given us his son, the son of God who has eternally existed, would come down and live perfectly and die in our place and bear the wrath of God for our sins on himself, die, rise again, ascend, won't God give me the, the grace I need to make it through a four-week depression? in 2024, or financial struggles, or a tough marriage, or whatever else it is that he's going to use to glorify himself. God didn't spare his own son. He didn't withhold his own son. This has been foreshadowed since the beginning of the Bible. I'm going to briefly remind you of this awesome scene in Genesis 22. God tells Abraham, take your son, your only son, who you love, Isaac, and go and sacrifice him. Think about what Abraham's thinking. Abraham and Sarah didn't have Isaac till they were way later in life. God had promised this son, and now he's saying, go sacrifice your son, your only son, who you love. And so Abraham says, okay, God, come on, Isaac. They start going up the mountain. Isaac's starting to panic. Where's the sacrifice? Don't worry. Abraham says, God will provide. They get up there. At this point, I've always pictured in my sanctified imagination, what was that conversation like? Builds the altar, puts the wood on there. Okay, Isaac, I don't know why. I mean, I have a precious son I love right there, my only son. Okay, bud, we don't always understand God's ways, but I need you to climb up here, and you're the sacrifice. And I, I mean, I think Isaac was old enough. He probably could have run away. So what faith did Isaac have to say, okay, dad, we're going to obey God? He has the knife over his head, Abraham does. He's about to plunge it into his only son who he loves. And an angel of the Lord says, wait, stop. Don't do it, Abraham. Now I know that you fear God, seeing as you have not withheld your only son. Don't hurt the boy, don't touch him. He looks over, you know the story. There's a ram caught in the thicket. He grabs that, he sacrifices it. And Abraham calls the mountain Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Isaac was a recipient of salvation by substitution. In 2,000 years after that incident, God did not withhold his son from us. The blade didn't stop. He was pierced. He was crucified. He died. He gave him up for us. A Puritan says, how is it imaginable that God should withhold 
after this, after having given us his son, spiritual or temporal, from his people? How shall he not call them effectually, justify them freely, sanctify them thoroughly, glorify them eternally? How shall he not clothe them, feed them, protect them, and deliver them? Surely if he would not spare his own son one stroke, one tear, one groan, one sigh, one circumstance of misery, it can never be imagined that he should ever should, after this, deny or withhold from his people, for whose sakes all of this was suffered, any mercies, any comforts, any privilege, spiritual or temporal, which is good for them. End quote. And I add to this Puritan, I know that seems weird, can you add to the Puritans? Yes, they were fallible. I would add, for his glory. That is good for us and for his glory. Brothers and sisters, one of the lessons I need every day, one of the lessons you need every day is you are made for God's glory. I am made for God's glory. When I became a Christian, as Jake showed us a few weeks ago when he preached, that God doesn't, Jesus doesn't come into my kingdom and I remain king. So Jesus, you're going to make my kingdom work out. I'm going to stay comfortable, right? I'm never going to get a bad, bad diagnosis. My kids are guaranteed salvation, right? That's not a guarantee. I exist for God's glory. Ephesians 2.10 says, Before the foundation of the world, as we were foreknown, our good works were foreknown. God planned our good works that we would walk in them. Everything we need to glorify God, we exist for His glory. And what a joy that is, isn't it? I think of how my life was before Christ when I lived as the king of my own kingdom. And let me tell you, I was miserable. I was utterly miserable. And so were you. I still struggle, though, to live for my own comfort, to be the own king in my kingdom. And I need verses like this. I need reminders like this that I exist for God's glory. And that causes worship in my heart, and I hope it does yours as well. Worship and gratitude. I am so grateful that my sins have been forgiven, that our sins have been forgiven through Christ. And I am so grateful for this church family. I really am. Even if I wasn't a pastor here, I'm so grateful for a body of believers that loves me, encourages me. You guys have welcomed Audrey and I so amazingly over the last two years. I hope we've paid forward some of that love and ministry to you all. We're going to gather 52 more times at least, at least on Sunday mornings in 2024. And in some way, shape, or form, we are praising God for his provision. And we are trusting God for his future provision. We can say, God, since you gave us your son for our salvation, we can trust that you're going to give us everything else we need to glorify you. I leave you with this quote from J.I. Packer. One day we shall see that nothing, literally nothing, which could have increased our eternal happiness has been denied us. And that nothing, literally nothing, that could have reduced that happiness has been left with us. What higher assurance do we have than that? Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you for your provision of your son Christ for our salvation and everything else we need. I pray, Lord, for, for this church, including me, Lord, that in 2024 we would just continue to worship you and trust you, that we would look back at the cross, how you've provided your son. We could look back at other ways you've provided for us in our lives and know that you will provide everything we need.
we will make it to the feast in the house of Zion, and you will take us home when you see fit. We trust you for that, Lord. We, we love you. We, we, we are humbled in adoration and worship at your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.